0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Wow, it's hard to feel good about anything that happened against Texas A&M. Freezing
0: temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes.
1: You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me is Montgomery Radio veteran Daryl Daprich as we are recapping now Auburn's twenty-seven to ten loss at the hands of Texas A&M. Daryl, in a game where there was no offense hardly any offense to be found for the Auburn Tigers. And it happened in a way that was different than Cal. I think in Cal, you could look at certain moments and say, okay, turnovers were the problem. And okay, if you, know, you don't fumble in these situations, all of a sudden, this is a better looking offense. With what happened against Texas A&M yesterday, I, I don't really feel like you can look back and say, yeah, there's a lot of meat that we left off the bone.
0: No, you're right. There wasn't like missed opportunities or, uh, you know, hey, this, this this turnover stalled the uh, scoring drive. Now, there were some penalties that I think hurt Auburn a little bit when they got inside the red zone that backed them out of field goal range a couple of times, but the offense just never had any rhythm. and And I, I guess, you know, against Cal, I felt like it was just going to happen. It was inevitable that Auburn was going to do something and turn it around. I was waiting for that drive or that big play that ultimately came. I just never really got that sense in this game. I just did not feel like a sustained offensive drive was going to happen or a big splash play was going to happen. And the reason for that was not only the penalties, it was the very few opportunities that Auburn had in the first half. Mm. And even in the first quarter, where I feel like look it was a you know it, it was a game that that was two scores it was a widespread but if you hit on some of those opportunities early, you never know how that changes the complexion of a ball game. I'm not saying Almer would have won the game I'm just saying if had Almer taken a seven6 lead when Peyton Thorne overthrew Jay Fair who would have walked in mm-hmm. I don't know how that would have changed complexion, momentum, different things in d- during the course of the semantics of a football game. So that happened, you know, you get down inside the 25, or whatever it is, and you try the pitch play that luckily did not get called a fumble. It was the right call, but, you know, could have been even more disastrous. Auburn seems to catch a big break, takes a loss on the next play, can't kick a field goal. Those little things add up because Auburn could have went into halftime 6-6 ultimately. And I think that the first drive of the second half is always huge, and it set the tone for the offensive ineptitude, frustration, and just impotency that Auburn saw the rest of the football game to go backwards like that when you had a chance to, to not good. you know get get a field goal and then come back and maybe score the first possession of the second half that that set the tone and really painted the picture.
1: Yeah, it's not good. And you know this doesn't really matter. But I do want to be correct. You mentioned the red zone a few times. I don't think Auburn ever took a snap in the red zone. I don't think they made it to A A&M's 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 and M's forty nine, A and M's forty three, A and M's and thirty one. Yeah. So I mean, it's just they never really got anywhere to where they even could, like, well, that, go a good like. Well, that's a good point. The let zone me or anything.
0: Let me clarify. I shouldn't have used the word red it, zone, it, but with the, deal, McPh- yeah. the way McPherson kicks. The 31's not technically the red zone, but it's in field goal range. The 35 is in field goal range because he made a 52-yarder. They took themselves out of the 31 and the 36 with stupid dumb penalties or or backwards plays that they left six points. Now, in the whole scheme of things, that doesn't matter. But it I don't know I just think that during the course of a ball game if it's a one score game instead of a two score game you call plays differently if you're A&M different things could happen. And so yeah, it was it was futile and there was a lot of it that's not why Auburn lost the game. 6 points is not going to make the difference, but it was just I think it was just a symptom of a bigger issue of a bigger problem that that they couldn't even, you know, stay in field goal range.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what we talked about going into this is if they can kind of punch them in the mouth early, you know, that, that was a fan base that isn't super excited about their footing in the sec. And I think their win yesterday probably enhances a little bit of that. Auburn could not take advantage of that whatsoever. But the, the concerning part of yesterday is, I don't know if there's a clear path to fixing it right away because a lot of people are calling out Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery and the play calling, and I don't think the play calling was that bad. I, there were guys consistently open downfield. Now, Daryl, you and I have talked about this before. We don't know what the called like order of progression is for these for the wideouts, and so maybe it's the third and fourth option that are getting open. I have that. I, I kind of find that hard to believe. I'm just going to be honest, but I'm trying to give benefit of the doubt where I possibly can. But even if that's the case, they've got to fix something with how they're preparing these plays and how they're approaching it because it, it, and that's the case. I mean, it's just they're not good play calls. If your first and second options are covered and all the other options aren't, that that to me is concerning in a different way. But So I, I don't think that's what's happening. There were guys that were consistently open. and You mentioned Jay Fair. He just flat out missed him. At least he targeted him, right? At least he found him and threw it. I'd rather him be a bad incompletion than you just not seeing him together. But there were just so many times where it's like, okay, there are two dudes open on this play, and that's just not where the attention of the quarterback is. So I'm not ready to say, okay, Hugh Freeze has to call plays now. Everything's Philip Montgomery's fault. I am not in that camp. It's execution, and that's still on the coaching staff. Don't get me wrong, but it, that's almost more concerning because I don't think you can just fix that at this point in the season.
0: All right, first of all, yeah, let's let's take this. Let's dissect this. Anybody on social media or what we saw with the fan base calling out Hugh Freeze and saying, you know, hey, people thought it was Harson's fault. And it, that kind of stuff is just moronic. It's it's absolutely embarrassing to have a fan base comment on stuff like that. It really is, and it makes us look stupid to the rest of the SEC. Number one, number two, we can't take this game like we have other games and pinpoint a a problem area because it was more than one issue. Anybody that thinks it's play calling or execution or Jimmy's and Joe's or the quarterback. It was all of it. Okay. I'm just gonna, I've been watching Auburn football for a very long time. The execution was poor, missing open receivers. Brendan Fraser on the helicopter move that Peyton Thorne got spun in the air on fourth and one, credit him for a gutsy run, but sure. Brendan Frazier would still be running right now if he'd have thrown the ball. Now, I heard somebody said he might have been ineligible. It was a run play all the way. Well, then, then that's play calling. Make that a run pass option because the dude was wide open, and you throw it 10 yards, and he goes. He walks in. The play that got tipped at the line of scrimmage, Zach, that Peyton Thorne knocked down that was called a lateral – If that goes to Jay Fair, that's a huge chunk. So the right play was called. It was just execution. But then there's other times where on fourth and 13 and you're in field goal range, you throw a backside screen to Fairweather who gains three yards. That play call was just puzzling. So let's be very clear and very honest about this. And people can disagree. You can disagree. Everybody in the comment section can disagree. There were four or five things, components of this football game that we can point to and say, All of it, all of it is the reason why Auburn lost. The offensive line at times played horrible and got put, Texas A&M was in the backfield. We can talk about Peyton Thorne holding on to the ball too long and he did sometimes, but he also sometimes didn't even have time to look at a receiver downfield. That's Mm -hmm. the offensive line. We missed routes. We ran When Robbie came in the game and ran quarterback run, there's a couple of holes that looked like if he'd have taken that hole, it would have been a bigger game. Peyton Thorne overthrowing people. The quarterback draw wasn't there. We talked about that. They spied and they took it away. They did a good job. I mean, there there were missed tackles at some points of the game, even though the defense played really, really well and they were on the field so long. There were a lot of things, play calling, execution, individual performances, offensive line. You could just, there's a checklist of things that Auburn failed at miserably yesterday,
1: period. Yeah, Uh, the offensive line, I'm not as hard on them as some folks, but I mean, I, I think the way you said it was right. Sometimes it was their fault and sometimes it, it wasn't, right?
0: Not all six sacks were their fault. Let's just right. be honest. There were For, some that were it was coverage free, right?
1: It was yeah, probably close co- that down yeah, the middle. And yeah,
0: and that's my exact point. There is plenty of blame to spread around, totally. my friend. And, you know, a coverage sack is exactly that. Peyton Thorne didn't like his first, his first option, his second option, his check down, so he gets sacked. And then there were times where he just, they were in the backfield right away and blew up. Our offensive line. So or he would there make was a just great a variety. With
1: Daryl, within the pocket and step up. And there's, I think it was Malcolm Johnson Jr. that's, that's there. And he's about to throw and he just did it. He just like, stop. And yeah. then he gets sacked. It's like, why?
0: And then Robbie doing? throws a great ball in the end zone. I know people said, oh, th- that needs to be thrown to the pylon. It hit hooks in the chest, which I'm starting to, there's a he's trend a there. Yeah, yeah shoulder pad. Ch- I mean, yeah, the ball might have been underthrown a tad or whatever, but it was still, it hit him in the chest. Catch mm-hmm. the ball. And that's where, from a receiver, I, I guess my frustration lies in the fact, Zach, that I thought we got that room corrected and improved, and went out and got stud, you know, port, transfer portal guys. And why is when I watch other teams and other football teams, their receivers are open and they're catching the ball, and we're still, still not getting guys open in the secondary. And I guess the the other thing too is on offense, our portal additions. Have woefully underachieved. They just have. There's no other way. Fairweather, maybe not. Line. Yeah, outside of the offensive line. Uh fairweather has had had his moments, but the receiving core, obviously the quarterback position. Look, I, I'm not Peyton Thorne has underachieved to this point, four games in. This is not what Hugh Freeze thought he was getting at the quarterback position.
1: Uh, all right, let's talk about the quarterbacks. What do we do with that position moving forward in just a moment, right here? on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. Uh, I told you on the show to take A&M minus the points. That certainly would have been correct. And it's wild how much that line was moving right before kickoff. We'll see what that Auburn-Georgia line is. At the time of us recording this, that is not public yet. One book, I think, had it 17 and a half. That seems low to me, but we'll see. But hey, check out our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on college. New customers who bet $5 will get 200 dollars back in bonus bets. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get 100 dollars off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. And of course, continue the college football season all season long. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show also brought to you by our friends. At Auburn Med Aesthetic, guys, we've been there. It's the day before, or even the day of, an anniversary, or a birthday, or some sort of event or celebration where you need to get your significant other a gift. Well, I'm here to tell you: check out our friends at AuburnMedAesthetics.com. Buying a gift card there is the easiest thing you can do. That's what their website is set up for. Get a gift card, whether it's for Botox or facials or laser treatments. Help your wife, girlfriend, significant other feel in incredible and they will also love meeting with dr nancy uh nancy herring and her master esthetician Cersei kelly they've got over 15 years in the med spa biz they're the best in the area so head over to auburn Aesthetics, get the full med spa experience as they serve the auburn community gift card purchase is very easy at auburnmedaesthetics.com or stop by and see them on east glenn avenue across from chappies remember auburn Aesthetics is perfect for last minute gift cards Guys, she will love it. Daryl Dapritz joining us as we recap this Auburn-Texas A&M battle, whatever it was. The quarterback position is very interesting because, well, Peyton Thorne did not look good. Let's just be very clear. And the issues that were there for the Cal game appeared worse against Texas A&M. Now, do I think the balance of run and pass made sense all the time? No. Do I think his receivers necessarily helped him out all the time? No, but also he didn't throw to open guys very often, which was on him because they were open. But Daryl, when they pulled Peyton Thorne in the second half, I don't think they did it with any sort of plan because at halftime, it was the first time all season where I'm like, I think putting Robbie in for the rest of the game makes sense. I think it makes sense. And then after it was either a drive or two, it it was sometime in the third quarter, they pulled Peyton Thorne, put Robbie Ashford in. I'm like, cool, this makes sense. And Robbie wasn't really put in a situation to concede either, but whatever. I I don't really want to necessarily talk about that. I want to talk about how they handled the personnel. Because then when it was third and long a few times, they would take Robbie out and put Peyton in. And I'm like, what are we doing? What are we, like, are you giving Robbie a chance to win the job? Or are you just kind of like buying, what was the purpose of it. If you're not going to give Robbie a chance to win the job and and show, let him show everybody that he can run the offense, what's the point? What's the point of it?
0: Robbie was at his best last year when we went up-tempo, when he kind of played with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and improvised, and there were sparks of that in that one drive where Auburn ran the ball really good, And Robbie had a couple nice quarterback runs. There was no threat to pass the ball off of that. That, that is a concern because it makes you one dimensional, but I just don't think that when they put him in the game, it was with a scheme or a plan that helped him or benefited him. Like, I understand having a, you know, a scripted sheet or having your play calling, but I think your personnel sometimes should dictate what you run, not the other way around. And I see that too much where, like, you know, we got so frustrated in the Gus Malzahn era when Stidham was made to do things that weren't his strengths, where we could have went five wide, thrown it all over the yard, and he had an arm talent for the NFL. When Robbie's in the game, change the play calling, change the formations, change schemes, do something different than what you were running the first half of the game. And I didn't see that. I could have missed it, but it looked like the same thing I just think you should change depending on your personnel and you should be flexible enough and go into a game with that in your back pocket and go, okay, if Peyton's in the game, we're going to call plays this way. If Robbie's in, we've got to change it up. It's got to be a change up on offense, on philosophy, on scheme. I'm not seeing that and that's frustrating. That goes back to exactly what we talked about when we started. It's a variety of issues. It's It's a bunch of symptoms right now that when you said five minutes ago, it's kind of haunting. We don't see, we don't know what the answer is. There's no quick fix for this. It's not like you can get into the laboratory from now until Georgia (laughs) and try to come up with a game plan to get this corrected. I think you're ride or die right now with what you're at, you're going to have to, it's going to be a bumpy ride. It just is.
1: Yeah. And I don't even know like what road we're on, right. If we're going to keep this analogy and metaphor going, like I Some of this, and you talked about this a second ago, when you were talking about like the offensive line with Robbie, you know, did he sometimes like go up the wrong holes or whatever? And to me, it always seems like he's wanting to go outside and kind of hit the home run, but he doesn't know when he's going to be taken out again. So I don't really even blame him for that. And is the offensive
0: line blocking different? Are they blocking like, like to me, the offensive line should block differently when Robbie's in the game than when Peyton Thorne's in the game. Just like there's a difference. When you cut or block with with a passing quarterback or a running Ooh. quarterback, you have to hold your blocks longer. If it's a, you know, there, there's all those little nuances of playing offensive tackle when you have a different quarterback there sure. in style. I don't think that they're seeing that there's no difference there i i don't i don't know i don't know if they're being taught that if you know let him let him let him come up field because robbie's going to go right by him or but you hold your blocks longer if peyton Thorne's the quarterback because he's got to look downfield for the big all those little nuances i'm not a coach but i'm wondering because that's why he's running like you said he's trying to go outside and they're pass blocking in a different scheme for a different quarterback i i don't know it it's it's frustrating. Yeah. It's I, I, it's hard to put your finger on.
1: I don't think I noticed that as much, but as far as like, okay, it's second and long because that's seems to be a trend. And Robbie's that's the highlight run, tape. Yeah, that's right. All right, first down, we're not going to do anything. But yeah, so like, if it's second down and Robbie's running it, like, it, it kind of feels like to me he needs to get a first down, or there's a solid chance they're going to take him out and put Peyton in on third down, which I don't know who that benefits like. That doesn't put Peyton in a good situation. That put Robbie in a good situation. I just don't get it. I do not get it. That would have been a prime opportunity to let Robbie run his part of the offense, just to see, just to see if that's what the answer is. And then on third and long, they just would take him out. And put Peyton. I, I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And look, I'm not about the, I'm not about the multi-quarterback thing. I'm just not. There's a few situations where it was like third and short and fourth and short. And I'm like, this is when you would use Robbie, but they did the whole rollout thing that you already highlighted. And he, he got it barely. I'm a little surprised it wasn't reviewed, but he got it. And it's like, okay. All right. Well, it's a good thing we got it, but I feel like that's why you have the Robbie packages is for that fourth and short stuff. Um, but that's why teams don't do this. That's why mm-hmm. teams don't have two quarterbacks It's all these things that we're talking about. And once again, It's not anybody's fault. There's not a really a whole lot of examples to point to and say, this is how you do this. And so they're kind Mm -hmm. of feels like they're making it up as they go along and it's not working. And I don't think it's either quarterback's fault. It's just that, that part of it as far as the personnel of the quarterback position and the snaps given to each of them, there's not any situation where it makes sense. I I just have a hard time buying it with anything that they've done so far.
0: I I think it's difficult to say this, and because I have been completely in this corner and and supportive of this whole scenario, my only concern is when you talk about fault or it's no one's fault or blame. Ultimately, this this coaching staff's job was to either develop Robbie in the off to be QB one or go find one that's better, markedly right. better. They didn't do that. Through through the first four games of the season, I'm sorry, I'm calling a spade a spade. There's no quarterback separation. When you play two dudes, you don't have a four, a front runner. You don't. And so, my point is, then why bring somebody in? And I'm not. I hope Peyton Thorne gets it turned around. I've been the biggest. You know, I thought he was going to get it done. I talked about what he did on the road in the Big Ten. Right. But but look, it's a results oriented game, and to this point, through four games, two lesser opponents. Two power fives. I haven't seen it. Doesn't mean we won't. Doesn't mean we can't. But if you want to just look at where it all went, where it's going wrong in the quarterback room, it's lack of development with one because you brought someone else in you thought was markedly better. And at this point, it's too close. The margin is so now you're playing two. It's disjointed, it's discombobulated, and it's not flowing at all. And, you know, this is the this has been the theme the last two years. Even well, actually three. There, there was there was a faction of 2021 where people thought T.J. Finley should be playing over Bo Nix, and Bo Nix got benched for a little bit. And so, <laughs> you know, I just I would really like to see Auburn identify their quarterback, stick with him. And at this point, unless there's market marked improvement, it's just going to be a, a tug of war back and forth the rest of the year, and that's unfortunate
1: yeah I mean I think it's best for the team to pick one I don't care who it is at this point I wish I would have given Robbie more of a shot yesterday I think that would have been the best upside for this team and they didn't do it I don't feel like they gave him a real legitimate shot yesterday which is a shame which is a shame yeah so as far as moving forward Mm you already you already hinted at it Georgia comes to town which is way better than Texas A&M, then you get a bye week, then you go to LSU, and then you host Ole Miss. It's tough. It's tough. It is. Last week, like if you win one of these four, you've got a chance to have a really good season. Like, And by really good, I mean eight wins. But you said it last week, and I think I agreed with you. Um, Of those four, A&M would have been the easiest of those four Then I think Ole Miss. And then I think there's probably a big gap, and then it's LSU-Georgia. Probably, Mm -hmm. I don't... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's probably what you said. There's, ca-
0: there's a caveat to that, but yeah, I mean, I said, unless, but I wanted to await the outcome of the Ole Miss Alabama game to see where I felt the pecking order was, and I'm just, just my opinion, having watched that game yesterday, I think a and a better football team than Ole Miss. I think Maybe. Ole Miss right now is the more winnable game because A, it's at home and I didn't see anything. Here's the thing about where we go forward. I'm going to try to keep this in perspective and understand that we talked about this could happen and you don't want to lose the team. The coaching staff has to understand where this team is and this gauntlet. You don't want one loss to become a four loss season. You know, there are still some very winnable games on this schedule, especially looking around the SEC, Mississippi state, Vanderbilt, New Mexico, you know, Alabama won last night that, that game, you know, that iron bowl, anything could happen. The old miss game. So You keep your head and your wits about you. You kind of look at this season at segments. Historically right now is what's hurting Auburn and the fan base and the quick quick knee-jerk reaction. Every coach since Terry Bowden that took over their first year except Tuberville had instant success year one. They just did. We got spoiled as a fan base. Bowden went undefeated. Chiswick won nine games. Malzahn played for a national championship. Only Tommy Tuberville He won five games his first year. Now, there were some moments. They were one Iron Bowl win away from going to the bowl game against Alabama at Jordan-Hare, but he built something that first year. Only won five games, and you could see it, and you knew it was coming. This season, this team made me more like that Tuberville first year than what we've been spoiled with previously. I still feel like they get to seven wins I just do, I just have this feeling that they're going to win again, that they can beat Ole Miss, they can beat Vandy, Mississippi state, New Mexico state and boom, you're there, you're at seven. And and so I, you know, I just, I think there's a lot to play for. I think we need to keep that in perspective. I think even mid quarterback play, just don't turn it over. Don't be disastrous. Be a game manager can get you four more wins on the schedule.
1: I agree with that. Look, I I thought Auburn was a seven and five football team at the start of the year, I thought it after Cal. I thought of going against, into a and AM. I, I think it after A&M because I had Auburn losing these next four games when we did our you final off-season yep. show. A lot of people said a lot of mean things. It's fine, whatever. Look, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope Auburn beats either Georgia, LSU, or Ole Miss or all of them. That'd be great. But I don't think that prediction's too far off now. I still think Auburn wins in Arkansas. I still think Auburn beats Mississippi State at home. I think they win in Vanderbilt. I think they beat New Mexico State. And, I, and then the Iron Bowl, I think, is actually closer, more of a toss-up than some of these other games are actually coming up. So Auburn still has the opportunity for success, to seven or eight wins on their schedule, but we're going to have to weather the next month. The next month is going to be really, really tough.
0: and the to uh, really, too. really hard. And Zach, having to do that with how thin and depleted we are becoming from an injury standpoint is making this task even more difficult. I mean, you know, we, we didn't go into the season thinking that all these rash of injuries in the secondary and that kind of thing was going to happen, and it did, and that that makes it harder. But again, if you're going to have them, you have them towards this absolutely gauntlet part of the schedule where you probably weren't going to be favored to win these games anyway, and hopefully you get these guys back for those five games that you should be favored in. And that you could win, and you have them because the games against Georgia and LSU might not be difference makers anyway, but against Arkansas, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Miss, Ole yeah. Miss they could be. And, yeah, you know, I'd, that, I'd rather
1: have Donovan Coffin and Keontae Scott versus Ole Miss. Amen, Jordan. amen. That's a great and then you point, know, Darryl.
0: and I don't know about Austin and his shoulder. Maybe he's back for the the final third of the season. But yeah. I will say this: I'm trying to glean something positive from this. It's been very difficult without drinking a fifth of Jack Daniels. I think Brian Batty really emerged yesterday as a nice second option at running back, filling in for Damari Austin and give Cobb the ball more, but the running back room is still going to be there all year. And I, and I think that's something to be positive about.
1: Brian Batty has a knack for knowing when to burst, when to hit that next gear. And it's not always when he turns the corner. Sometimes it's a few steps before, sometimes it's a few steps after, um, that was nice. That was nice to see. I, I I hope we see more of him moving forward, and I also hope we see more of Demari Austin and what Would you think of the shot and, and Jeremiah Cobb?
0: How about the Sean Jackson run? Do you get a little nervous that you're going to lose that bet, brother? After what that was nice the number, long
1: run, what, what was the number we were at?
0: A hundred, and I think he's got like seventy. Oh he have seventy gosh. yards through? And you know he's going to get some carries against New Mexico State. That's a team that UMass beat.
1: So, Our number was a hundred for that. A hundred yards. I see he's going to get hundred sure? yards.
0: I, 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 we could go back to the tape. I think I said a hundred yards that he would pitch in a hundred. If I said two hundred, then I'll lose that bet. But I thought I said hundred.
1: I think it was two hundred. I'm trying to. Look then I'll
0: lose. Maybe it was, but I'll lose. But I mean, unless he breaks off a monster game, I, I don't know. They used him in this game last night or yesterday in situations that weren't garbage time.
1: That's true, you know,
0: and so well, they put him in
1: with Gurner when, when Garner went in.
0: Well, they also had him in on the fourth and one that Thorne got helicoptered. Oh, was did lone set, that. Yeah. He was the lone back in the backfield and they faced fake the toss that, you know, the pitch to him and bootlegged it, which I love the call. I just would like to see that call and drag the tight in like they did off of it because you've got a two options there.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Daryl Dapper, how can people check out everything you've got going on, buddy?
0: You can follow me at DAP 6410 A lot of fun on Twitter yesterday. Woo! Uh, you can also catch me in the Discord <laughs> and then on Monday mornings and Tuesday afternoons on various Auburn Network shows.
1: Read Albert and work at auburndaily.com. A lot of stuff up there yesterday. There will be a lot of stuff up there today. And of course, Lindsey Crosby will join me tomorrow. And by the way, thank you to Lindsay. Thank you to you, Daryl, for filling in and stepping up and helping me out on Friday. But uh, good to be back home in the great state of Alabama. Be sure to follow me on socials at Z Blackerby. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.